why? Why is a powerful question that, in my opinion, doesn't get its due justice. I find that we instinctively add words after why, like, why me, or why did this happen, or why did I do that? Any of the words that follow why are relevant to the circumstances only, but our answers aren't in the circumstances. The answers are in the one word question, why? Every word we add beyond why is, is a misdirection to the answers we seek. You know what happened to you, but why? You know the situation you're in. Why? And you know what you did. But why? Stop on why. You want the answers to the equation that is your life? The journey begins when you solve for why. My name is Jason Furious, and this is my Madness Method. Our whys are our superpowers. Okay, now, I, I need to apologize now because I'm going to be saying the word why a lot. And I'm going to be encouraging you to consider it as, as a question and not just a word. And it, it's going to kind of feel like banging a thumbtack into concrete, right? So bear with me here, but but hear me out. So so our whys are our superpowers, okay? I began this journey in my own personal growth, and, and it wasn't until... I started asking why and only why that I began to understand myself and my, my positives, my shortcomings. It was when I stopped and we have this tendency to ask why, but why always includes some other piece, right? Why is this happening to me? Or why did that happen? Or why do I have to do that? Have you ever just stopped and just gone down the rabbit hole for yourself of why? You know, whatever problem you're dealing with, right? You know, for the longest time, as an example here, for the longest time, I was unable to like to, to concentrate, okay? And I pointed out in one of my previous episodes that it wasn't until I started doing meth that my mind got quiet. And of course, then I, I didn't even think about it. Like I just kept it rolling, right? But looking back on that and seeing the difficulties I've had in corporate America, just, I mean, really in anything. Okay. Like I'd be at my desk and I get up and I roam around constantly and I do a bunch of work and roam around constantly. And I figured out that I had ADHD, right? Real bad, real bad. So, you know, as an adult, they're not really even going to deal with that shit, but they'll throw you some medicine. And, and my doctors did, and I hated the way it made me feel. And then I thought about why, do I want to deal with this now? Like I've made it through my entire life like this. And, and not that I'm in a great place in life, but I'm not in a terrible place anymore. You know? So I started looking at my ADHD as one of my superpowers. You know, I embraced it. First of all, I hated the way the fucking drugs made me feel when I, you know, to try to ease me off of ADHD. Screw that. I'll deal with the noise in the head. Cause that was trash. But it made me realize, like, I don't want to not feel like this either, because this is who I am. And I think it's important that we each 
identify our whys, our core whys about anything, pick anything, whatever, whatever you're dealing with. Now, I don't mean get hung up in the fucking grocery aisle asking yourself why this pasta, that one. Don't, I'm not encouraging you to, to, to hyper fixate on anything, but just, just hear me out. You know, some of us that are listening today have dealt with some seriously traumatic events. Okay, and and I know that saying, oh, your why is your superpower, you know, if your addiction or your PTSD or or whatever it is that you're dealing with. I mean, hell, even just your stress or anxiety, if you've just managed to make it through life as, as a normie, okay, that tragic event has gotten you to this point in your life. It may be a massive source of pain and anguish for you, but it's also been your driving force that's gotten you this far. If you can work through past, keep asking why till you're past that event. Not that it did happen, but why it happened. And if you keep digging, you will find at least some solace somewhere in it. And I know that I'm speaking from only my experience, and I'm not suggesting that mine is the same as yours. And 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 everybody's experience is different. Even if your situation was identical to somebody else's, their interpretation of it is going to be completely different than yours. And they will have absorbed it differently just based on maybe even the age that occurred between you and that person. I mean, our, our, our point of development changes and skews our observation. Why is so important and I think it's just it's just such an underappreciated line of questioning. I wanted to get to my why. And I know I've brought it up in the past and previously, you know, but I have since episode one, I mean, hell, I'll be honest, like since episode 15, the amount of personal growth that I've experienced, I mean, the epiphanies that I've had in the middle of conversations on this podcast have altered my why in such a profound way. Before my why was, you know, I want to tell the story of what happened to me when we went to Vegas. That was the, that was my original why. I wanted to get the stories out of my head. And so I could stop telling them because they're, they're painful and they're hard to live through and I wanted to get them out. And then my why became, you know, if I could connect with somebody and and they could feel like, hey, I'm I'm not the only person that feels this way, right? Because I, I don't most of us have listened to somebody talk or watched somebody talk on I, I don't know, YouTube. You're just completely unable to relate. We've sat in recovery rooms and people do their share and you're like, nah, that ain't me. And I, and you check out. If I could just be somebody that people could connect with. And, and give them even the smallest light, you know, like, hey, let's keep going. We're doing it together. Like, I just, I wanted to do that. That became my new why. And then my why got got even deeper because before I started the podcast, I I dealt with the why of my addiction for the first time in my 40 some odd years on the planet. And it got down to protecting little Jason and his perception of the world. But then it became even bigger. And I, I just, I grew. I, I grew while I was telling this story. And, and my why, my why's got 
deeper and more clear. And I was able to start asking myself why in an angle that got me to forgive people that have wronged me, you know, first I had to forgive myself for wronging people, but then there was people that I needed to forgive for, for wronging me. You know, I, I was able to ask this question and dive down rabbit holes to try to understand others position. And I tell you, it was, it was profound. You know, I, I know I didn't fucking rediscover the wheel here, right? I'm probably saying something you've heard before. And, you know, maybe this is just another part of my journey, but my God, you guys, the question why. Here's the whole point. Just bear with me. So I wanted to explain my why about Vegas. Vegas held this like profound beacon for me from a very young age. I was living with my grandparents and and I was treated like a king and and this is where I, I felt loved and safe and and my grandparents were probably in their mid to late 40s I'm guessing when I was you know early 80s when I was around 6ish so they would like to jaunt off to Vegas but they had me you know and my grandfather worked nights at the airlines and so he would come home he'd sleep during the day and and mind you like we lived in West Covina which is in the LA basin but even in the 80s, traffic was shit, right? So it just kind of worked out. Like, Pop would work all night, come home, sleep during the day. Grandma would, you know, get us ready and pack and all that fun shit. And then when he would get up, we'd drive during the night to go to Vegas. And, you know, they'd make me a nice bed in the back of the car. And, and I'd sleep like the little prince I was, you know. We would be traveling through the desert. And damn it, there's this, there's this town. Okay, I would always wake up and I'd see the lights. And I'm like, ooh, check it out. And it was always this fucking town, Prim. Prim, Nevada is like 40 minutes south of Vegas. But without, I'd get up, ah, we're here. You know, I slept the perfect amount of time. And they're like, no, nah, baby, we still got 40 minutes. This is that little bullshit town. Now, Prim's like blown up now. Now they got their own casinos and roller coasters and all this crazy shit, right? But back in the day, it was just enough light that got me real hyped. And, you know, I would either go back to sleep or just sit like really annoyingly between the seats and, and, and stare off into the distance because there's like this crest as you're coming North on the 15 and it's just desert as far as you can see, but there's like a crest to the Hills or the dunes, whatever it is. And the light would, would start to glow. And then it would just, as you got closer and you kind of went over this, this gentle crest, that's way off in the distance, the city would start to, to rise out of the dirt, you know, and man, the, the vibe I got, even as a six-year-old, like it was the same vibe I got, like when we would go to Disneyland, I'm like, Oh, like all the energy. And I always had that vibe about this place. And, you know, we got there and we'd always stay at the new Hilton, okay, in the early 80s is when the Hilton was built. And it was that first, that tri-spoke-shaped hotel. It was a big, beautiful hotel. It was like the crown jewel of Vegas at that time. It was the newest, biggest, most beautiful, elegant place like the Bellagio became in the Wynn and, and the Aria now and so on. But the point is, it was elegant, you know, and my, my, parent, my grandparents would dress very nice you know there was always a difference like there was a church suit and there was the vegas suit you, you dig like i would go to church with my grandparents on sunday and pop would wear his blazer and his slacks and grandma would wear, wear a very nice dress and her jewelry and they'd dress me like the little gentleman i was and we'd go to church but vegas vegas pop had 
his cleanest shit on, you know, his nicest shoes and grandma had on her nicest dress and the nicest jewelry. And like, I just read the room. I was like, look at all. This is what I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy. I want to do this, like all the lights and the noise. And I would always want to go try to gamble and no, baby, you can't go there. I'm like, just, just you watch one day. I'm going to be all up in this. And we would spend, you know, whatever it was, the weekend or however long it is we were there. And, you know, during the day we would do the sightseeing or the shows or, or, or you know, hanging out at the pool and, and whatever the case may be. But in the evenings when the grandparents were going to go out and be the adults that they were. And I got to go stay at this spot. Okay. And I don't know if this was the name of it, but anyway, we, we call it the, the children's hotel and, and that might've been what they called it at the hotel. I don't really know. It's just what we affectionately call it throughout life now. And it was like a daycare, right? It was fucking, it was a fucking daycare, <laughs> but they'd put me there and all the activities, like it was just so much shit to do for a kid. And, you know, they had those, those, like there was an outdoor area where you could go ride bikes and they're like those preschool bikes are built like fucking tanks. You know what I mean? The solid rubber tires and shit. And like, you got a leg workout, getting them moving and you know, you could play outside and, and you could make crafts and, and, you know, my grandparents would allow me to charge food on, on the room. So I was just like, you know, Mr. Baller, like, wow, fucking nuggies all around. Everybody gets fries and, Long story long, this is why Vegas, okay, Vegas left like this indelible mark on my childhood. It was a positive experience, so I clung on to it. Fast forward 16 years, 14 years-ish, you know, now I'm losing my fucking mind, okay? Life has gone a different direction, you know, based on some poor decision-making skills that I've honed. And uh, the vibe of Vegas never left me. You know, there had been trips I had gone on with with family or friends as I grew older. And when I got there, like I was like, yeah, it's it's still there. It's I still felt that I felt like, oh, man, I'm going to when I get older, I'm going to get rich and famous and I'm going to just be in Vegas and just whatever that meant. I didn't know how I was going to get rich and famous. I just knew that's what I'm going to do. And this is where I'm going to be. And, you know, life got me to Vegas, but it brought me through the back door. OK, I know I wasn't coming through the front door. By any stretch, but in my head, I had built up such a vision of grandeur of what was to happen when I was there that I thought if I could just get to Vegas, everything will be okay. Like that's where everything's all right. You know, the only other place I get that same vibe is Disneyland and I can't go live at Disneyland. Trust me, I would if I could, but I can't. So Vegas was, was it, you know, and this is where the why gets all fucked up, right? Because if I would have sat for a second and said, Jay, why do you want to go to Vegas? Oh, well, uh, and you can answer that one or two. Oh, well, it's, it's where I always knew I had to be. Okay. But why are you going there? Well, things are really fucked up where I'm at. Yeah. Why? Well, because I've got a bit of an addiction and a lot of shame, nowhere to live. No friends. Okay, why? Well, you know, and you you get where this line of questioning could have taken me, right? Like if I would have kept digging, I may have in fact gotten to the why that I was even addicted way sooner than getting into my forties. But the, that line of questioning, that mindset, didn't exist for me yet. And so the why was plain and simple. Ended at Vegas is where I know I need to get. 
Ah, let's go. You know, this is this is why I mean, I, I wanted to explain to everybody like kind of why Vegas and why this podcast, like this whole podcast, again, was to tell the story of Vegas. And it has grown so much bigger than that now. But now we're at the importance of why we're at the importance of embracing the things that make us who we are. You know, the damage of physical trauma I hope has healed for you, but the mental trauma still exists. I would imagine, or if it was just all mental for you and you haven't dealt with it, it still exists. It, it, it almost doesn't matter the external, but all of us have the internal. And I, I truly like believe if we get to the why keep asking, keep digging, and, and when it hurts or when you feel appeased, go one more time. Why? Why? Let's get to it. You know what I mean? Let's talk about it. Let's just embrace it and, and, and own it and, and do the work. You see, here's the thing. Those of us that have been to rehab or are in recovery rooms, we, we hear you got to do the work, right? And, and we're given tools to stay sober, you know, disclaimer here, this is my own, my experience. Okay. I'm not, I'm only talking about my experience here, but what I never heard in rehab or the recovery rooms or any of that shit, what I never heard was getting to the core of your addiction. Like here's the tools you need to go stay sober. Okay. But if you never deal with why, you used to begin with or why you were inclined to self-medicate okay now i'm not i'm not even excluding the fact that some people could be medically or metaphysically predisposed to be an addict that's still your why but i never heard anybody tell me that here's the tools you need to stay sober while you get to the bottom of your issue it was always hey in rehab i was in rehab 30 days right beautiful one in, in, in Napa and in California and, and, you know, a bunch of kumbaya shit and fucking, it was great. It was, it was like a little vacation. It was the first time I got time off from work and God knows how long, but we dealt with all oh, these are coping mechanisms of how to stay sober. Okay, cool. But I, I don't know about you, but, but been, based on my experience, when you tell somebody not to do something, they inherently reject being ordered what to do. So if you tell somebody, you have to stay sober or you're going to die. <laughs> Watch this. The reality is, if you never get to your why, whether it's in your DNA, whether it's something that happened in your past, whether it's something that, that's happening to you currently, if you don't deal with your why, you're just white knuckling it, right? You're just out there hoping it sticks, hoping you can put together enough days to make it feel like sobriety. But that devil will live on your shoulder as long as you don't deal with it. So I encourage everybody to do what works best for you. If the recovery rooms are doing it for you and this 12-step thing is your gig, fucking A, fucking get it. Get it. I'm, I'm proud of you. I support you. I believe in you. But for those of you that have been ran out of the rooms because of 
bizarre shit. Oh, uh, making amends. Okay, that was where I got hung up. Little little tangent here for you. You're supposed to make a list of all the people you wronged and then go apologize to them. And forgive me if you don't agree with this, but but I, you don't owe anybody a fucking apology. You don't. Now, if you feel so inclined that it's going to, you feel like it's going to fix or repair, or or if it's something that, that there's a person in your life that they need to hear it, that's different. You don't owe anybody a fucking apology. So don't don't get hung up on that shit. Like I, I honestly feel like for some addicts and people in recovery, that piece is like a setback. Okay. And that's on both sides because you're going to go and you're going to hit somebody up and, Hey, person I wronged in the past. I want to talk about the thing that you're finally passed and I want to rehash it so I can apologize. And then we'll see if you forgive me. Right? Like this person's already gotten past it or doesn't want to fuck with you anymore because of it. And to make yourself feel better in your sobriety, you have to go drum it back up. And then what? When If they forgive you, what does that change? So you make yourself feel better for the shit that you did while you were some other version of yourself? You get what I'm saying? Like, Or, or you're, you're inconveniencing whoever this person, you're inconveniencing their life. And, and, and let's say something you did to them was like really bad and they finally moved past it. Now you want to fucking bring it up again? I don't buy it, man. I don't buy it. You know, the people that love you love you anyway, and they may need some time. And here's the thing. They may love you from a distance now, but I don't see what the fucking apology is going to do about it. But again, you know, if, if, if it's in your heart and you're like, nah, I really need to fucking like go say something to that's go for it, but you don't owe anybody shit. This is my why. This is my why is, is because I have a different perspective now. I have a different approach. I have a different respect for myself, for other addicts, for my place here. Like I, my why, I understand why I was an addict. I even understand why I ultimately became an alcoholic, and that's not going to come up for quite some time. I understand that now, but I have a, a new why. And, and this is this is why I'm so fucking excited about having this conversation with you guys is because by constantly asking why, my whole journey is different now. And my whole drive and my whole belief in people, because damn it, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something good for the bad that I have done. One of the things I notice is is we really got to start just loving everybody. And God, that's such a, like a goofy-ass statement, right? But until we start recognizing that everybody is faulted, everybody fucks up, the only reason that you internalize the pain and the embarrassment of the shit you do is because of your perception of other people's success. You don't know what the fuck they're going through. You don't know the way they're presenting. How many times have you smiled through pain? You know, until we all understand that none of us are perfect, we all fuck up. And we start recovering out loud. And you don't have, look, here's the thing. You don't have to have been an addict. You don't have to have been an alcoholic. Every one of us has been through something. So accept that. 
except that everybody's been through something. Every one of us is in recovery for something, for a loss in our life, a loss of a job. Maybe you lost your car. Like everybody's been through something. This is what it's going to take. It's going to take solving for why. And man, I want to, I want to, I want to do it with you. I want to do it with you. I want to find like-minded people. Let's lead. Let's do this together. Let's fucking art lock arm in arm like some goofy ass Coca-Cola commercial, right? And we'll just skip the maloo. And fuck it, let's go make this happen. Let's take a new approach. Let's let's make this approach as open and honest and as widely accepted as any other set of steps. Hit me up. Okay, come on. Let's do this. We've got my madness method 819 at Gmail. We got my madness method on Instagram. We've got the website 819product.com. That's the word 819product.com. You can see like other podcasts I've been on. Great folks to to listen to. Anyway, I hope I didn't bore you with this, man, but we we gotta solve for why. My name is Jason Furious. And this, <laughs> this is my madness method. This is the way I live. Little boy still pushing big wheels. I stack my money, lay low and chill. Don't need to work hard, that's the way I feel. I feel like this is the way I live. Little boy still pushing big wheels. I stack my money, lay low and chill. Don't need to work hard, that's the way I feel.